Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name is Vry Kaiser. I'm an editor and contributor for Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at writer Vry or for the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. Uh, hi, I'm Dee Hogan, the managing editor at Anifem. I also run the anime blog The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. And I'm Peter Phobian. I'm an Associates Features Editor at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. This is our semi-holiday podcast, or it will re- be released in the general holiday time. We're talking about the Satoshi Kon film Tokyo Godfathers, which was released in 2003. It did the festival circuit in the U.S. roughly around 2005. Uh, it was directed by Satoshi Kon who tragically passed away a few years ago at the age of 46 after only having completed five feature films and one TV series, Paranoia Agent. It was The, the screenplay was co-written by Keiko Nobumoto, who you may know as the creator of Wolf's Reign, uh, the writer of the script for Cowboy Bebop the movie, and the scenario supervisor for the first Kingdom Hearts game. It, it, uh, Tokyo Godfathers is Cone's penultimate film, and it is a remake of the 1948 John Wayne film, The Three Godfathers. It's better than that. I've never seen that, and I did not mm-hmm. realize it was a remake. So I never heard I of learned, it either. I learned it's, something uh, well, new the, today. The, the original movie is very, um, I mean, it's very Western-themed because John Wayne, and also, uh, you know, yeah. they get the baby from a tragically dying woman who was probably a harlot, you know. So this film was a decided improvement upon that. The plot of Tokyo Godfathers, briefly for any listeners who might not be aware, is is it takes place in Tokyo over about a week uh, where three homeless people find a baby in a dumpster or in, in a trash pile and decide to go on a quest to try and find uh, the baby's mother. It's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. You have to be you have to have a strike subscription, though. It's not yeah. just on Prime. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> you, so, you used to so, be able to do it with your Prime. But uh, then, yeah. So, and that's and that's only in the U.S. too, because I know Amelia wanted to join us on this one and she couldn't because it's not available in the U.K. at all. So it might be on Amazon if you're willing to dig through two paywalls, listeners. Right. Yes. Yay. films are um, such a bummer because like you can't get Perfect Blue anymore because Aronofsky bought the rights so he could have one shot in Requiem for a Dream and. Millennium Actress, who the fuck knows where that went, and Tokyo Godfathers didn't get picked up by an anime company, so its license fell through, and you can still get Paprika, though. <sighs> I have the other three on my shelf, so I am I guess I'm doing okay in that regard. I don't actually own Tokyo Godfathers. It's apparently the only major Satoshi uh, Kon film. Yeah, I, I did mean to ask before we got started, um, you know, if you guys are familiar with, with Kon's f- previous work. Uh, just his general Yeah, and, you know, his... his sort of whole artistic deal because he is like one of the few directors who I think you could make an, a case for as a tour. Um, well, I, I, sorry, I, I, I have not seen Paranoia Agent, uh, to my shame. Uh, it's on my, <laughs> one of my huge backlog titles that I have never, I just haven't gotten around to yet. Um, but I have seen all of his films. Um, I actually think Tokyo Godfathers is one of my favorite, as much as I love his like, uh, surrealist rapid cuts and kind of, uh, I don't know what to call it, kind of uh, uh, temporal uncertainty uh, mm-hmm. th- with the way he kind of, you're, you're never sure what, what, whether or not what you're seeing is real, which is very common in his uh, films. This one is kind of grounded and just sort of relies on um, a lot of character acting and more like snappy cuts and stuff. So uh, I, I definitely appreciate everything else he does, but I think this is this was kind of unique in that uh I don't think there's any point in the movie where you're not sure if what you're seeing is real and it it all feels very grounded. It's interesting to me because on the one hand, it is like, yeah, everything is, is happening, but it still feels very much like a con film because it's a fairy tale. Like, if you took a drink every time a miraculous coincidence happened in this film, you would die. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many Kyokos. Um, it almost becomes a joke, like the number of Kyokos they meet on this trip. Um, so it does have these. It does have these kind of con elements of existing, not quite in the real world. But I do agree that it's a lot more grounded than his other uh, works. Which I've seen everything but Millennium Actress, and Millennium Actress has been sitting on my DVD it's shelf so for 
like eight years and I've just not gotten, I just, I like to watch movies with other people and I just never get around to saying to a friend, Hey, let's watch Millennium Actors legit. together. Fair and legit. So, but I've, but I've seen all of his other works multiple times. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty familiar with Khan and his, um, kind of hyper-realistic art style, which is really fun to see because I don't think you see that a lot in, um, anime, at least the stuff that makes it to the U.S. Um, his characters tend to have more realistic body types, which is yes. fun. Ugh. Um, and refreshing. Um, and he kind of does his, he tends to have kind of a, his art style is like, again, I said hyper-realistic because there's almost a kind of grotesquery to mm -hmm. it sometimes. Like the faces have so many creases and contortions mm -hmm. to them. Um, as opposed to a lot of anime, which is very like, you know, uh, kind of smooth skinned, idealized, pretty looking. Yeah. He, he likes him um, a fisheye lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it does sort of get into the kind of Junji Ito-esque where you kind of like close up on anatomy where it, to the point where it does become kind of mm -hmm. gross to look at. Mm -hmm. uh, or or where shapes, like normal uh, features, start distorting to the point that they become uh, frightening. Yeah, it's like the characters in this movie are very broad in some senses, but they but still grounded by those proportions. And I, I'm, I'm in love with, with how many... Um, like curvy, like stocky women are in this film, and, and yeah, I noticed that too. It's, it's very good. <laughs> it's refreshing for sure um, to see more, just just more different body types in in an animated film mm -hmm. uh, in general. Not even just like out of Japan, like in general, to see that is nice. Yeah, um, and I think it, it's it's kind of because like Paranoia Agent is so very much about post-World War II kawaii culture and, like, a criticism of that. So I, I wonder if that mm -hmm. sensibility is kind of throughout all of his work. I would imagine his art style is is partly in response to that. Um, I also think that his films tend to be kind of interested in looking at um, some ugliness in the world and then kind of trying to draw something um, beautiful or valid or worthwhile out of it, um, which I think you can definitely see in this film. So, But his art style kind of plays into that... Um, that just overall tone, I think, as well. Okay, I would say some of the most, like, intense uh, online arguments I've had are in interpreting the works of Cone, mm -hmm. uh, because they're uh, primarily perfect blue, uh, whether or not it's actually supposed to be a criticism of idol culture. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think given his the history of his works, I mean, even Tokyo Godfathers itself, uh, it is definitely putting a spotlight on some social and cultural issues mm -hmm. in Japan. Uh, it feels very uh, just kind of thematic for his overall work, and and I don't I don't think you could interpret it as him not trying to do something like that, given that every single one of his works seems to be doing yeah, something like that. Yeah, he, he said it's not about that, but uh, you know, Romero also said that Night of the Living Dead wasn't about racism, and uh, K. <laughs> But um, <laughs> well, and it's it could be one of those things where maybe it's not specifically about the idol industry, but there's definitely an element of um, I mean, it's it's clearly looking at the way um, men take ownership over women's bodies, especially those in the public space. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Like, that's very much a part of Perfect Blue. Um, sorry, this is kind of a tangent for listeners. They came on expecting Tokyo Godfathers, and we're like, let's talk about all the con movies. I just love Satoshi. they're good. You, you gave me an opportunity to talk about Satoshi Kon, who, who, I, who I mourn the death of every day. Yeah, watching Tokyo Godfathers made me kind of sad, because I was like, oh, this is... I, I haven't seen this movie in, like, probably... I think I saw it in high school, and I don't think I've seen it... I haven't seen it since. Mm -hmm. um, so rewatching it... And it's been it's the first time in a little while I've, I've rewatched a con film, and I was like, aw... I don't get anything else. He's not going to do anything more. And it just made me miss the hell out of him. I, I, well, uh, we might get... The robot film's never going to happen. The uh, robot film's never going to happen. Uh, I don't know. Well, you know the person who's trying to make it happen is Masayo Mariyama. And, uh, Mariyama sorry. and I don't think anyone cares about anime more than mm. that man. That is a good point. He's uh, the he's the MAPPA uh, studio head, Vry. Uh, and M2 right. now. Push through. Um, we saw him at this corner of gotcha, the world. Gotcha, gotcha. In this corner of the world. Yeah. Um, he's the one who's also trying to get um, Satoshi Kon's comic mm. uh, Opus. Uh, I should have said manga there. Uh, made into a nice. TV series. Uh, who I, I'll be curious to see who they get direct that or Isn't how that... that is even possible given mm -hmm. what the manga is yeah. about. Isn't that unfinished? Isn't all of Kon's manga unfinished? Uh, well, I've only read two, uh, which were translated to English. There was Opus and Seraphim. I read some Seraphim, number of and I did not know Seraphim was not finished, and I was very upset when I got to the end of that volume. Oh. Yeah. 
it sucks. Yeah. It was uh, uh, Mamoru Oshii and Khan making a manga together, which is just insane. Yeah, yeah no, um, but like to, I wanted to bring us back because you brought up the, the social commentary in, uh, in Khan's work that I, I really wanted to talk about that in this film because it, it struck me as really unique that, you know, a lot of this film is about found families and, and I want to get into a little bit more of the dynamics specifically with Hana later, but um, I was really interested in the fact that Miyuki's story is very much about the father making amends more than her, which strikes me as, as quite unique um, in anime and in like parent-child reconciliation stories in general. Because like the, this idea that her pain is worthwhile and she's not just a, a bratty kid who who should know better and who should apologize. Which like yes, that is one part of it. She did a bad, but but. I was going to say, she, she, she did, did a stab bad. him because her cat was uh-huh. gone. That's, no, that's fucked up. That's... But like, I don't know. I find it interesting that, that you know, she is a three-dimensional character who we are supposed to, to like, sympathize with as, as far as when, when she talks about, I didn't feel like my parents loved me in my house and, and I ran mm-hmm. away because of that. It's not, it's not meant to be histrionic. And like, oh, she just didn't appreciate all the work her parents do for her. Yeah, yeah. I you get the feeling that there's there was some sort of build up to the cat mm-hmm. event too. Like it, that wasn't a, like my cat's gone. Oh, my dad must have sold it or something like that. There was obviously something going on in that household, although they don't have time in the movie to really explore it. They definitely imply it, uh, and I I feel like they do a good job of showing that there was there was more than that singular scene to what happened between her and her family, but also that her family wanted her back and felt regretful about right, what had like, happened. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. sorry, right, what Oh, no. Well, I was I, I just I'm I'm interested in this film that that's not just about parents should or not that's that's not just children should, you know, value and respect their parents, but also parents owe things and should value and respect their children. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think and I think a lot of the film is about um you know, forgiveness specifically for, for all of the characters in, in a variant, there is a sense of them wanting somebody else to kind of forgive them for a mistake that happened in the past. And, um, so I think it's, I think it is really nice to see in this film that, um, Miyuki feels like she did something completely unforgivable. And of course she can't go home because, you know, she did stab her dad, which is a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, let me not downplay Like I don't, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to downplay the fact that she stabbed her father because her cat was gone. Um, so, and so, so somewhat understandably, she thinks I did something, you know, um, completely unforgivable and there's no way I can go home. And, uh, it, you know, it turns out that, you know, despite doing a pretty terrible thing, uh, her, you know, her parents are more worried about her than angry at her. You know, they, they want her to come home and they want to, um, make sure she's safe. So. Yeah. And I think that plays into the, the, basically the plot of the movie with them trying to find the, um, Kyoko's parents, uh just saying that the child deserves a good upbringing and deserves to be with its family and um which is why they have so much what was the mm-hmm. woman's name sachiko yeah um, yeah highlighting how horrible what she did was by kidnapping the child but also that the reasons that she did it was because she wanted her own family i, I think she her child died after it, birth or it seems um the impression i get is that um the child died like was was stillborn uh, yeah, that was yeah, that was what I thought too. It was probably stillborn. Um, and yeah, I think there's um, kind of a, a, a. I'm not sure if I know 100 percent what the movie is going for with this line of thought, but it's definitely playing with the idea of um, kind of the romance of blood rel- blood relations and family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because like it, it is important, but I think the film really kind of uh, has several characters who see it as like the most important thing in the world. And I think in some ways the film shows that that can be kind of destructive because Sachiko sort of, um, you know, one of the reasons she she sort of becomes so unstable at the end and ends up stealing a child is because of this this desire for this blood family. And just if I just have this kid, it'll fix everything that's wrong in our in my relationship with my husband. Um, and then you also see this found family that ends up kind of saving the day and coming together. And so I don't I think because there is still. Um, blood relatives that we see as more positive portrayals like Miyuki's parents wanting her to come home and Gin's daughter being, you know, wanting had have she wanted to see him and she wanted to like re re uh, good lord. <laughs> Give me a second. I swear I know how to talk. Um 
she wanted to, she wanted that relationship back in her life. Um, so I think the film is kind of playing, I guess, a little bit with the idea of like both have value and one isn't necessarily better than the other because I think it balances the two um, very well. Yeah, it, it seems to walk this very fine line of it, it wants to stress that family is very important, but the nature, like where the family comes from, isn't. So and like specifically in this in this element of diffusing the, that idea that, oh, the blood relative is like your blood family is always the most important and the best for you. Well, yeah, I think uh, they kind of that that comes in at the very end because I think it's uh, Hannah who says some line about there's there's no way a, a foster family can replace a real one or something like that, which is kind of like I I I remember hearing that line. I was like, I don't know about that. I mean, definitely if you're kidnapped, but uh, but like you could certainly be as happy. But then in the end, they become um, uh, Kyoko's godparents. Or the the family wants them to become godparents because what they did was so. The, the line, as child. I remember it, is so. is that um, is that when they first get the baby, um, you know, Hana it talks about how a, a blood family isn't always better. Sometimes, sometimes a foster family is better. And clearly, she found a home at like the club where she was working. Like you know, she calls the club owner mm-hmm. mom or m- mom, and it, mm-hmm. it, it, that's clearly her family. Yeah. Well, but it was on. I think either on the bridge or on the rooftop. Uh, Hana delivers like the exact mm-hmm. opposite line. Um, but yeah, I think it's just kind of a way to make Sachiko feel bad because at that point Hana yeah. think that she'd abandoned her child. Um, but yeah, I, in the end, obviously they the, the parents want them to become the godparents. So I think that is kind of like the the stance the movie takes at the end which is someone who is not a blood relative can be just as important to you and in their relationship with each other i'd say that they all became basically family members with one another as well i wish they'd made that a little more clear in uh hana's story because i think a lot of uh her story uh is about um she very much has this kind of romance of the of the blood relatives because she never she never had any of her own um so you know she goes on this quest to kind of try to understand why uh why a parent would leave their child, uh, basically. And, you know, she has lines like, like we've been talking about where it's like, well, a child should be with their, with their actual, um, mother. That's the most important thing. Um, and then I feel like at the end, I think the film does a good job of showing why that's not necessarily the case, but I do kind of wish Hana had more. I feel like Hana's story is a little more up in the air than Gin's or Miyuki's at the end. And I wish it was a little bit clearer that like, you know, she would maybe go back to that club and like spend more time with the family that she had there or like acknowledge the fact that they were, that that was her family and they didn't have to be blood relatives. Mm -hmm. That made me a little sad. Yeah. It's um, Hana's story is interesting to me because it's like, there's a lot in this film. That's like the melding of Eastern and Western culture um, specifically with Hana, who is like, you know, she, she's a trans woman um she works in a in a drag club um and she is also this this cultural voice who like she knows the sound of music and she's read dostoevsky and um you know she and she recites and she and she's a christian uh writes haiku on the spot right um (laughs) and and then they there's like like hana seems to fairly earnestly believe in a christian god but she also goes with miyuki to pray at the temple at new year's and and i just find that sort of Mm -hmm cultural meshing really interesting in this film uh well that last one i don't think is too unusual Mm. for japanese people uh i think they were pretty um kind of a frustrating uh culture for christians to try to proselytize to because they readily accepted a christian god but continued to pray to uh at like shinto and buddhist temples as well uh which uh the way that they you know they like the god the idea of a Christian God precludes the others, but they kind of continue to do that. That's more of a, no, a no, cultural it, thing. But I, uh, I, I was also going to ask, um, I noticed while I was watching the movie that um, the word homeless is a loan word in Japanese. And I don't know much about the history of that, but it, it kind of caught my ear. I can't help you with that. I'm Alas. sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Get the, I, I'm also curious, maybe uh, one of our commenters could elaborate who has some knowledge of the Japanese language. That is unusual you figure that it wouldn't take until they had encountered the english language to already have a, a sufficient identifier for that sort of thing mm-hmm. it's interesting um i was also I, I was also reminded that uh oh yeah this this film has a uh much i think better uh that uh scene involving you know 
borderline psychotic teenagers beat up homeless people uh, than certain other anime <laughs> that have aired this season. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I remember, like, that, that scene when it happened, I would, I, like, almost had, like, a stress response because I'd completely forgotten about it uh, and just how evil those kids seem. Especially because of the way that they just transition. They're just like, oh, our girlfriend's called. Let's go back on a date. And then they just immediately drop what they're doing as if the act they were committing was in no way significant to them. Well, I mean, I I probably don't know enough to comment on it, but that feels very deliberate in, in like a film that's very much about social stratification of what families matter mm-hmm. and who matters. Like, I don't think Cone put this film in just because we needed a histrionic scene about teenagers especially after it's so sympathetic to Miyuki like I think he's very purposefully trying to say something about who gets valued yeah well apparently that's a that's a real thing that uh, happens quite frequently uh, in Tokyo it's uh, fucked up really wow yeah uh, that is messed yeah up. I've uh, I talked to someone who lived in Tokyo for a couple of years and uh, they have a, a name for I think they literally just call them cleanup crews um wow and it's something yeah so um i think it's a a, a real issue in japan i don't know I, the, the movie was made uh, it was 2003 it was 2003 so like 15 years okay. ago so, it's been a while yeah maybe that maybe there's been progress since then but uh at, at the time yes mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah that scene always strikes me as like a little over the top um because it's just it's i guess it's very hard to imagine but i mean it's certainly it sounds like it's actually a problem so mm-hmm. Jeez. unmitigated human cruelty yeah yeah, yeah. I, um, uh, for fun uh, on, uh, before yeah. we go off hana though i did want to ask uh is there ever an explanation for why she becomes homeless uh because i got that uh she worked in the club and then she married uh that guy and he died um but i don't i never really got the transition from being married to going back out on the street rather than going back to the club or i don't even know why hana became homeless after uh that. the impression um uh, go on uh, in when she's in the club talking to uh, talking to the the owner who she calls mom. Um, I, I guess I'll just call the character mom, which sounds a little odd. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I think her char- her character's name in the credits, I believe, is is mom. Is mom. So. Um, when yeah. she's talking to mom, they do that flashback of uh, Hannah getting angry at a client, and um, the sense you get is that she was like very embarrassed about like kind of attacking this dude, and she felt like she couldn't come back. Um, she felt like they wouldn't want her, um, because of, of her, of her temper essentially. Um, and then, uh, mom basically says, no, of course you definitely could have come back. It wasn't, it was no big deal. Um, yeah. And like with Miyuki in, in terms of things that are a little bit implied, but not touched upon, I would, I, I get the sense that Hana probably couldn't get a job as a, as trans woman who presents female a hundred percent of the time in Tokyo. She probably couldn't yeah. get a no, normal I think that was... salary worker job. And she did. No, I would assume that was implied in in that as well. So like that that kind of uh, like the drag club job was probably one of the few places that would hire. Um, and then she felt like she couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. So um, so probably Ken was probably Ken was just you know the one working. And then when he um, when he died, then no money was coming in functionally. And then she felt like she didn't have anywhere else she could go. And she ended up um, she ended up homeless because of that. Mm-hmm. Was the sense I got. Okay. Yeah. That's I- interesting. So with all three of them, they kind of have this thing about not believing that they are worthy of forgiveness for what they've done. And yeah. And when each of them encounters the individuals who they thought would never forgive them, they're forgiven. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't want to... Which... Oh, go ahead. I don't know how... I... I'm on the fence about how I feel about that that plot point because um, I like that they kind of avoid the more sort of like maudlin, sappy tragedies. Like when Gin's first telling his story about how his daughter died and his wife left him and ah. Um, I like that they kind of avoid that. But at the same time, there's a little bit of a sense that the characters are homeless because of, because of their own misunderstandings. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a bit of a mistake because I think a lot of homeless people really don't have someplace to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so the fact that the story kind of plays up this of, oh, oh no, they all actually do have homes and families. And it's just a matter of like realizing that they're, that they're worthy of, of asking for forgiveness basically. Um, 
I think that's a good I think that's a good storyline. I like that theme, but there's just that one extra level of it in terms of like implications it makes towards towards uh people who are homeless that that bothers me a little bit. Yeah, legit legit cuz like 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 we've talked about it does have these quieter implications of of social critique that it doesn't really go into too much. Mm-hmm. I think it undermines itself a little bit with the way it handled with with the fact that every story um, has this um, forgiveness undercurrent that again sort of ends up being like, well, if they just realized this thing about these people in their lives, they'd been they would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I like the sentiment. I like the sentiment of everybody has somebody who cares for them, and it's a matter of of realizing that yourself. I think that's a really good sentiment. But again, I, I worry that it may be. Um, leaves slightly the wrong impression that the movie wanted to make about um, the groups of people it was um, doing a very good job, I think, of humanizing that tend to be ignored or shunned or considered like trash as the characters refer to themselves occasionally in the film. Mm-hmm. So That's, by the way, one of the funniest scenes ever. Um, the, the, the I don't think I'll fit scene. I, I die. Mm. It's very, very sad. The trash cans. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, there's a couple of there's there's some good bursts of humor in this yeah, film. It's, um, yeah, that was that was a very 2017 <laughs> joke, which uh, he he was right. way ahead of his time. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was but, like, oh look, it's Annie Twitter. <laughs> um, but, but what I I did wanted to talk. Uh, I did want to say um one more th- more thing about uh, Hannah is that I, I end up with this sort of fascination with her character because she she's probably one of the best depictions of trans women in anime that I can think of period um she's like she's kind of a broadly comic character in the same way that the entire cast is and like because she is situated in this sort of heightened reality it doesn't these elements of her character that could be a little stereotypical you know she's um she wants to have a family and she's a heterosexual trans woman and um you know she's she works in a drag club but they they feel honest like growths of who she is as a person and and where she's come from rather than this is an okama stereotype here we go and and just so it you know it's it's one of those things that then becomes sad because i think she works and she's great but like you talked about that um that element of i did did this some things aren't solved at the end of this movie and you maybe implied some things or didn't imply some things you didn't mean to movie it's so like, especially with Hana, she can go back to the club and and make her her own friends, but that's not going to get her housing. And her family register is probably still under her uh, her her dead name, that kind of stuff. It makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, I I don't. I got the feeling that they were sort of intentionally because you get the scene where um, they're sleeping at the club, and I think they had some of the workers just basically mm-hmm. sleeping there, right? Um, so I think they, I don't know if this is them, um, being lazy or maybe trying to do something intentional where it's just like, no, this is just how it is for mm-hmm. people like that in Tokyo, uh, where, uh, they, all, all the people at the club kind of are living, I, I don't like at, in semi-homelessness, I mm-hmm. guess is what it would be, uh, because they need somebody like the proprietors of that club to give them a place to stay and a, and a place to make income since they won't be accepted in most places. Yeah. Um, the other big element that we kind of haven't touched yet on is the um, the language scene um, with with the Latin American characters. Mm, yeah, which I was real concerned because I haven't seen this film in a long time. So when the uh, when I was like, "Whoa, a brown person in anime!" Mm-hmm. when I saw the waiter, and then he immediately shoots somebody and takes somebody hostage, I'm like, "Oh no! Right. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no!" The whole uh, scene is a thankfully coaster. <laughs> it really is. Um, Thankfully, it kind of spins it and and I think does the same thing where I, I think the I think Khan very much doesn't want to write like perfect idealistic characters. And I appreciate that about him. So all of his characters, you know, have flaws and aren't going to be um, what you would consider like perfect representation. Right. If that yeah. makes sense. Um, but I think he's also very focused on everyone is everyone has moments of um, sympathy or humanity like like and I think he does a, a good job of once. um once the kid gets back to his home with Miyuki, it's basically like, yeah, no, here, take care of them. I don't want them hurt. Um, help this baby. Right. And then you kind of, and then they kind of are able to bond over um, uh, familial ties and some kind of common ground, uh, even though they don't speak the same language. Right. Well, and even the, the, the introduction scene of, um, 
oh god, he's a waiter. Oh god, he's an assassin. He is shooting at the yakuza. He is. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that is very true. You could like. There's no going like. Why do you think he shot that guy? Uh, it, it's you're pretty sure it has something to do with gang stuff or that guy screwing him over personally or even though you never get like a single coherent word out of the character. And and I. Well, you do. They're just all in uh, Spanish. Um, and it sounds like pretty good Spanish yeah, yeah. to my untrained ear. Um, yeah, like, I could pick up a little bit of what they were saying, but I am not uh, fluent. So I, I had I had high school Spanish and like it's I so I have I have no idea. I, I do really like that scene um, with his uh, girlfriend, sister. I, I was guessing sister, but yeah, possibly girlfriend. Well, yeah, because like she she mentions um, briefly that um, oh yeah no I, I think uh, they're together, but he's not the father of the baby. I, I thought I caught that. Um, oh okay. Yeah, and it's I I, I I just because like as somebody who's been abroad and had that moment, like it, it's very true to life in that moment of oh 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 we both know a word, we know a shared word, and we point. Like it's yeah, it's really mm-hmm. great. <laughs> It's a it's a, it's a real yeah it's a it's a um a nice little a little scene there again that I think does a good job of of when the character first shows up you're like oh cool they're using an immigrant character as a criminal great that's awesome and then it kind of spins it and is like well there's um you know a lot more here too and here's an, another community that kind of gets ignored or like pushed into the margins of society um and so it adds to that sense of of trying to shine a light on those communities and then also um show the humanity present that I think a lot of people uh, don't necessarily see when they think of like homeless people or immigrants. Um, and this is still topical today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again, two, 2017 anime that are, that are perhaps about how you kids and millennials don't appreciate the uh, previous generation. And Hey, that's kind of fucked up. Sorry. Are we still? Are we? Are we quietly throwing shade at Inuyashiki? Is that what's happening? Oh, I, I um, mean, yeah. I can do it more loudly uh, if you'd like. I was picking up on Cause, that. Because you threw shade at yeah. Inuyashiki earlier, and we didn't actually mention that's what we were talking about. We've only all seen like one episode, but uh, I'm, I thought you guys, I, th- I thought you were talking about uh, just sort of the nationalist trends right now. But oh uh, that well, works too. yeah, no, that's that what I was talking I'm about. Down, I'm down for either. Yeah, yeah that's what I was okay. talking <laughs> about in broad strokes. But then earlier when we were talking about uh, kids beating up homeless people that was a plot point in Inuyashiki that was played so over the top that it was um it was absurd so uh, yeah I could yeah I just mm, it, yeah. It, anyway it bums sorry me out. tangent it, it it bums me out because because Kona is so good at, at thoughtful like social critique and it it really depresses me that there is no legal way for people to watch Paranoia Agent because hot damn that series like like Tokyo Godfathers here is a much softer more optimistic version of a lot of his other work but it's still mm-hmm. yeah those scenes are like really really mm-hmm. funny too like uh, i remember i i i had completely forgotten the opening conversation between gin and hana uh where they're talking about the virgin mary <laughs> and hana goes oh maybe it was just a, a gay guy who magically got pregnant mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> because they said it was like a miracle the, conception. The, the, the right? eating for yeah. two and brick guess, joke guess, is fucking yeah, genius. Yeah, yeah, that was so good. Yeah, I'm eating and for they, two. And they bring that back later, too. When the lady uh, shows up and they... she's like, it's a miracle because she sees Hana yeah. with the baby. That was so good. <laughs> this is a very, a very good and funny film that I, I watch every Christmas and I love it a lot. Feelings. Aw, I didn't know it was part of your I didn't know it was part of your Christmas tradition. It is. Yeah, it's. Like it. That's nice. It definitely soft pedals a few things, but it's just, it's so nice and human and like, it, and warm to people who Christmas movies normally don't give a fuck about, or try to pretty up. Yeah. Like I, I feel like Cons. Or turn it into a very special episode. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like Cons' art style is like integral to the fact that it wants to humanize these people, like like these various marginalized populations, but not sanitize i guess is maybe a word not in terms of like yeah, dirty but no, like, i think i think that yeah i think that makes sense in that they're they're still they're still messy human beings with like all three of them have you know flaws and um and good points too and 
so again, it's it's very much a, a look at like humanizing them as humanizing people who tend to get dehumanized. I think in a lot of media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gein's the character that I kind of know least what to do with because I feel like he's a commentary on like traditional Japanese views of masculinity that I I don't really have as much of an inroad in on. I, there we go. Words. Um, I think that's part of it, but I also think that. Um, if you know if if Hana is if Hana is a trans woman and Miyuki is a teenager and these are groups that tend to um, get kind of shoved into the margins or not or don't have a lot of power, um, I think Gin Gin does have a mental illness. He has addictions, mm-hmm. um, and For I sure. think that I think that a lot of his character is nobody is nobody is dealing with the fact that he has addictions, including himself. Like he spends most of the movie drunk. He's an alcoholic, um, and we know he we had a gambling problem, which he you know he might still have, but he doesn't have a lot of money necessarily so uh we don't necessarily see that although i think he does buy a lottery ticket at one he point, does so. and then they win the lottery at um, the end with like no 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 no. he he got that oh, from that's the right. dead guy that was in the dead oh, guy's oh yeah that's right um but so that was to me i think that's the connection he has to the to the overall story is the that kind of unwillingness to to deal with or talk about mental illness mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with, it, with Gin, with Gin's character. Th- that's maybe the part where the movie, um, like when when you're talking about how it wants to be, like these people's problems are their own problems. The fact that it kind of lets it lie with with Gin mentioning that, well, I'm I'm the one who racked up the debts. It's not the fault of the guy who preyed on on my addictions. Like, and then that's kind of where mm-hmm. that storyline rests, which is kind of a bummer. Gambling is so accessible in Japan that I think uh, that may have been sort of focusing on that because, like, it's it's not like the U.S. where it's like there's certain places that uh, where it's legal. Mm-hmm. It like it is everywhere. In every major city, there's like entire streets that are just like pachinko parlors and stuff like that. So, um, I, I think that may have been what it was trying to do. Personally, I don't know. I, I almost felt disappointed because uh, I mean, it's, I think it's been a while for both me and D, and we'd forgotten a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of liked his initial like lie about why he was homeless as well, um, but I think that's just more uh, from the perspective of an American maybe because it's like you're always one medical bill away from being completely ruined and out on the street. Yeah, uh, which, which resonated with me very strongly. Um, and 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 I also just kind of liked the idea that it may not be because in in that situation it's like what what else could he have possibly done to try to save his entire life and he still ended up out on the street uh showing that like maybe for some people it's not really their fault or a choice yeah they're they just get ruined Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i agree like i think i think it was one of those stories that had so many elements of like typical tragedy to it that a part of me is glad that they sort of subverted that um because i think i think you do run the it's again it's this fine line where you run the risk of the story feeling like a very special episode um or it feeling like, well, it's his own fault that he's here. Um, and I don't think that's the case either, because again, I think that he had addictions that were not, you know, uh, properly um, addressed and dealt with. Um, mm. But I think Gene is the hardest character to sympathize with in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to kind of fight to to remind myself that that he was also, you know, um, kind of dealing with his own uh, his own sort of social. Uh, how do I word this? Um, a part of his a, par- a part of his life was also looked down upon by society at large. I guess is how I would say that. Yeah, um, and he was definitely uh, if you owe money to Yakuza rather than <laughs> some pachinko pile, you were getting into some serious gambling. I think, or it was like horse races, right? Yeah, I think um, he was. I, I think he was racing and... that he was gambling mm-hmm. on. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. I mean. I. I think both stories have kind of a different merit to them mm-hmm. narratively. Um, and they resonated with me in different ways. That's why I was yeah. kind of saying, like, I don't know which story I would have preferred in the end of the day. Um, but both of them, I think both of them kind of had their own, like, kind of valuable, um, look at what can make someone end up in a situation. Yeah, I think you're right. Do we want to talk about Sachiko, like, briefly? Uh, yeah, it's, probably um, should. Yeah, we should talk about Sachiko. She just, I, I don't know, her, her character, she doesn't really have an arc, because uh, she's like you know she's such she's such an an absent uh, deliberately absent figure for so much of the film, and then the mm-hmm. I, like I think the movie is is really interesting when she's not around like the housewife the gossiping housewife scene 
which is very much like, mm-hmm. uh, well, we we heard about this domestic rebu- abuse, and we've all we all know something or other about. None of us did anything about it, mind, but you know, we we all heard something, of course. But yeah, but but then at the end, the ultimate conc- because this is a very feel goody movie. Um, the only conclusion it can come to for her is we'll start over with my husband in this clearly toxic relation. No, no, this is no, don't do this. No, bad. Well, yeah, because before the kid, it seemed like things weren't working out for them. Yeah. So, well, and doesn't <laughs> won't fix it. Doesn't Sachiko kind of reject that too? Because he shouts that from the balcony, and then she decides that she's going to jump anyway. Doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so she basically says, "I'll, I'll, I'll." It's not a quite. I'll see you in hell. It's just like I'll go first, and then we can meet together, or something like that. Uh, so she accepts the premise just in the afterlife rather than in the the living yeah. world. And I think I think to a point, Sachiko is also um, another um, part of another social group that uh, you know tends to get sort of ignored or not or not discussed or kind of uh, uh, put in the margins, which is. Um, First of all, she's a woman, mm-hmm. so there is that. She does get married. She's in like these financial uh, straits. The people around her are aware of the fact that it's an unhealthy relationship that um, is uh, appears to have been abusive to some extent. And again, nobody does anything about it. Um, and so I think Sachiko is also in a situation where she's trapped, and she's kind of on the edge of like, well, if I left, I would. You don't. You don't get the sense that Sachiko has another, has any other family outside of this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the sense that, you know, if she leaves him, then she would probably be out on the street with um, the rest of our protagonists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like whatever um, the, the state of, of host clubs at large in Japan, wh- one gets the feeling that this specific one was probably kind of exploitative, um, like that there's the mm-hmm. implication that she was pushed into having plastic surgery and that kind of thing. That's yeah. true. There are references. Run by that's true. There are references specifically in this movie to the fact that that the, the job she had previously was was probably not a good one for her. Um, so I have some sympathy for her, even though she does some pretty, some pretty heinous things mm-hmm. in the film. Um, and they don't really, they don't really like everybody else. It feels kind of gets kind of like a redemption moment or a forgiveness moment. And you don't really get that with Sachiko. Like her not really. shitty boyfriend has his speech, but it doesn't like win her over. She's not like, okay, I'll come down. Um, and then we don't really see her again. So I'm not, we don't really know what happens to Sachiko. There's a lot of, there's a lot of lack of clarity at the end of the movie as to like where everyone's going to go. So it's kind of, you have to draw your own lines, I guess. Yeah. Like, like, I guess her, her redemption moment is like deciding to give, um, Kyoko back. Yeah. Even Miyoki's, uh, uh, reuniting with her father. That was just like the, they started the scene and then the credits rolled. Uh, so they, yeah, the end of the movie was very, it kind of felt I don't want to say abrupt, but it kind of like intentionally left a lot of things. Just I, I guess off you could say that, um, like it's it's broad, like it's it's potentially hopeful for all of them. Um, like you know, Gein, yeah. Gein won the lottery. Um, I I kind of get the the implication and reunited with his daughter, who seems willing to have a relationship with him again, which he had wanted. Right. Um, I get the impression Hana's going to stay with Gein, which girl, aim higher. <sighs> <laughs> I know. I I agree, <laughs> but but at least she's like back in contact uh, contact with her her family at the club, and Miyuki like is at least talking with her dad, so they can try to work that out. And Sachiko at least had the moment of clarity that she shouldn't steal a baby, and this isn't going to make her happy. So like mm-hmm. it doesn't solve any of their social ills, but at least for these individual characters, that they have like a door to something ahead of them. It's. It's like somewhat mm-hmm. optimistic. Yeah, and it is. G- given given the like the it, it almost feels like uh, they keep talking about how Kyoko's a miracle baby, which I sort of think is funny because it's sort of like uh, there's all these like narrow versions of disaster, but it's they've also encountered a bunch of disasters and narrowly averted <laughs> them. So uh, it's hard to say whether Kyoko's good luck or bad luck, and they just happen to narrowly escape. I mean, it's very times. Blues Brothers. Um, like we're on a mission from God. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could, uh, it w- like, all of, in that context, it almost feels like this was just sort of like uh, uh, Kyoko was kind of this gift that brought everybody into this crazy situation that ended up with them reconciling parts of their past. Mm-hmm. So, it, with, because of that almost like supernatural drive that pushed them into that situation, you kind of feel like the outcome is going to be good. The, the, that's the, it has an optimistic feeling at the end, I think. It does, definitely. Yeah. And I guess it would have been, it, it would be very out of character um, 
for for Khan in particular to end the movie with like an epilogue where it's like everybody is happy now and things are tied into a neat bow. And I don't think I would necessarily like that either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I do want to say so, uh, in in regards to the yakuza. Okay. Uh, the Yakuza guys, I felt like it even tried to humanize them a little bit because, I mean, they run into the first one who had let his car slide over him, and yeah. then he he was genuinely grateful and invited them to his wedding, or his, his, his daughter's, daughter's wedding, wedding. Yeah. Uh, afterward. And he basically just said, join the party, here's some money, if you ever need a favor, call me, please. Uh, and then the son, uh, or the son-in-law, I guess he was going to be, who was kind of made out to be an asshole, uh, despite the fact that he ran that club... Uh, it didn't seem like he had made any efforts to retain Sachiko when she said she wanted to leave uh, with her new husband, uh, which I think is notable. And he also took the bullet for his father. So while there was definitely some bad stuff involved, I think it it showed that there are people, too, who are capable of charity. I, I don't think he tried to, like, uh, I, I think Khan took deliberate steps not to demonize any of the characters. Yeah, even I think even that's the guys who would true. normally be the bad guys, who probably were mostly bad, uh, they they you kind of saw their their better mm-hmm. sides as well. Yeah, so I don't know. Sachiko's husband's kind of awful. yeah, he's kind of a piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah. Of, there's not a there's not a lot of redemption there. At the very end, he decides to make it work with her, but that's not um, that doesn't mean anything. That's meaningless. That's, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. lots of lots of. Uh, shitty boyfriends and abusers say that too well, and it doesn't mean anything. I, I got the so. implication that maybe she was the one um, physically abusing him because that that was... Oh, you're right. Yes. He was like kind of taking all her money but yeah, the in that conversation they had it's implied that um, he was the one who had bruises mm-hmm. not her. So this is like a mutually that abusive a good situation yeah. that neither of them should be yeah, in. Yeah, it's it's really bad and unhealthy for both of them. So... it's It's bad. So don't get back together, please. Please don't do this. <laughs> please don't. Both of you do something else. <laughs> um, I also wanted to talk about the shit translation a little bit before we go. Yeah, I figured we should touch on the subtitles. Um, it's they they sure made they sure made some decisions around Hana, didn't they? They sure made some sure decisions. Sure, fucking did. Like not just um. So so um, first of all, if you're watching this on um on Amazon, not only is the old translation from 2005, I believe, is when it was uh, still the translation. That translation is hard-coded to the video. And then, like, Amazon's translation plays can play over top of it if you've turned the closed captioning on. But no, no, no. There is no turning off the, the subtitles on this one, which is just, like, the most 2005 thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit. Um, but, uh, so, more generally, for, for folks who don't know... Um, the subtitles in this movie around Hana are bad. Um, they um, there are a couple choices they make. Um, Miyuki refers to Hana as as a basan, uh, you know, auntie, uh, and the subtitles translate that as uncle for reasons. Um, and then also the uh, you know we've talked about Hana's temper in the film. Um, she mm-hmm. which is specifically triggered by people calling her uh, Gigi. So uh, it's well the the term they keep using is kusa Gigi, uh-huh. which literally would be like shitty old man, mm-hmm. right? Um, which makes sense. But you could, uh-huh. yeah, which makes sense. It's like and, her, her. So her response is always like, "Shit, I'll take." But but then the correct translation would be like, "But man, I won't." Yeah, yeah. It's the Gigi part that that pisses her off, and the subtitles decide to say like, "Shit, I'll take." But like, the, it's like eat shit, you old fart. I think is how they translate mm-hmm. it. And she's like, fart I won't take. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, the point is that she's angry when people don't acknowledge uh, the gender that she is. Like, that's the point of that line. And losing that in the translation, I think, loses um, a part of maybe part of the social commentary Khan is sort of brushing up against um, in that situation, too. Is like, hey, you should respect this person's gender identity. That would be a good idea. Well, and like. Um, with like Miyuki versus Jin, it feels important. It feels important too because like Miyuki calls her uh, Sojiji like once at the very start of the film, and then from there on calls her um, either Obasan or, or Hanasan. Um, yeah, she eventually switches to Hanasan. Um, which and I here's what I think what the translator was maybe trying to do was to show Miyuki like gradually accepting and developing um, 
Mm. Like that kind of emotional affectionate bond with Hana that she does develop because Hana takes care of her, which is like really sweet. Right. Um, but it's because they do translate Hana-san as Miss Hana. Right. So at a certain point, the subtitles do go, okay, so the characters are respecting um, Hana's gender at this point. But, but, it, but it's still, it's, it's still a weird choice to me. It's like, why not just have her go from calling her Auntie Bag to Miss Hana? Like that shows a, a shift in respect. Right. Like, exactly. It's, it's a, still a shift in respect, but it starts at the baseline of even this bratty teenager knows that this woman is a woman like mm-hmm. w- which feels like important exactly. in in contrast to Gein, who spends a lot of the movie calling hana an, an okama which is yeah. like and boy did the translators make some choices there the translators yeah they translate okama in a variety of ways um and okama is a difficult word i mean uh what was i gonna say uh, Hana refers to herself as an Okama because it's one of those words that in Japanese is very context dependent on whether or not it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not inherently a slur, right. I guess is what I should say. It's, it's kind of a complicated term. Yeah, it, it, um, um, like, and, and I don't know Japanese as well as you do, but from just like a lot of taking in a lot of media that uses that term prominently, the, the impression I get from it is um, that, it's kind of one of those mo- words that can be depec- deprecating, but can also be used by queer people as like a self-deprecating thing. So like something like like homo or fairy or those kinds of things that are an insult, but I but you can also you know use self re- referentially. Um, so like that makes sense to me. Uh, translating it with the with 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 faggot. Um, that's yeah. not no don't movie. What the fuck? That creates a really really nasty sense that I don't want to root for these people to come together as a family if they're if they're like with that those kinds of words in his mouth and I and I don't again I don't know the Okama is again very it's kind of a difficult word um also because the meaning and kind of um intent of it has shifted a lot over the years there's a big long author's note at the end of the first volume of Princess Jellyfish that goes into the fact that like even when when Higashimura first started writing that series in like 2005 to now the word's meaning has shifted slightly so there's a difficulty in in finding like exact one-to-one translations for it Um, but I don't think it I don't think it it ever really has the same vitriol as I can't even say it yeah the the F slur I will call it the F word and I don't mean fuck (laughs) because that word I don't mind saying um I don't think I think it, I don't the, think the it ever has seems that. to be most similar to queer, right? Uh, just in the way that it's also been sort of repossessed by the culture. Yeah, and it's kind of a catch-all. Um, it tends to be. I mean, I think I think sometimes you can translate it as cross-dresser. I think you could you could get away with drag queen in certain situations. It's it's very context-dependent, and again, it sort of depends on who's saying it. Um, but I don't think it ever holds the same sort of inherent violence that the F slur does. So the fact that they used it in that, I was like, Gin's being a jerk here, but he's not being this much of a jerk. He was not using that word. Yeah. Like, well, and um, like, with- and it does, it makes, it makes Gin. Cause I remember watching this as a kid. I really, I, there's, I didn't, I liked it, but it didn't stick with me. I think the way it, it did with, um, for you, Bri. Um, but I remember very distinctly not liking Gein and part of it was because of that. And I was like, wow, you're a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a lot of that is a subtitling decision, which is not ideal. Shame. Yeah. And it's like, well, and it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense that Hana would stay with him either because like she blames herself, but she, she has that point of pride about herself that I, mm-hmm. that I think if, if he were, if he were using those kind of, um, if if you were referring to her with that level of vitriol, she'd go or beat the shit out of him, which he would. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably yeah, Hana right. Hana was yeah. one of the only ones that wasn't regularly fighting. I think uh, Miyuki and Gin were always beating the shit out of each other. But yeah. oh yeah, hey, uh, say don't don't hurt but each she other. Would, too bad. But she would tell Gin off when he when he deserved it though. Like she, she oh for sure yeah. She told him off multiple times when he was so being awful. Good. So. Like, damn, it's Hannah good. can I really throw like shade Hannah. like nobody's business. It's really good. <laughs> He's very, very good at it, yeah. I, I do, like, a moment of silence for the for the opening scene of the movie where Gini is a piece of shit to Miyuki, though. Like, gross. Oh, God, yeah. Boobs. Yeah, that was that. It was between, between the F-slur and him, and, him grabbing her, and him grabbing her chest, I was like, wow, I really don't like you. And that feeling never quite goes away. Um, and I, I think to a point the movie is uh, harder on him than it is on the others because he also lies about his backstory to gain more sympathy and things mm-hmm. like that. So, um, Yeah, but yeah, he's still redeemable, but he's, he's definitely uh, rougher and kind of worse than either of them. 
Mm-hmm. And, and like Hana is literally the hero of the movie at, at a certain point where, where she dressed no, down. I love a, that one. Oh my God. It's so good. Yeah, she. Yeah, I think I think Gin's the one who needs a moment of silence because I think Hana literally killed him in front of his own daughter. <laughs> so good. God, she's the best. No, she. Yeah, no, and I, I love that she did get to be the hero at the end and, and save the kid and kind of. Um, yeah, that was really that was a really sweet moment. And then and then God, God himself, uh, smiled down upon Hana and Kyoko and uh, brought them to safety. Oh, it's such... so, yeah, I know you notice. Hana was not at all surprised by that happening either. No, at that point, There's... it's like, mm, this is par for the course. Yes, no, this, uh, this <laughs> Yeah, cele- celestially floating down to the ground, smiling serenely. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, that so was good. an interesting choice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's so nice. This movie is not mm-hmm. perfect, but it's so nice. And I, I always get kind of wibbly at the end. And <laughs> it gives me feelings. I like these characters. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... It's a real shame about them subtitles, I, and I I wonder how much of it is, like I mentioned at the at the top, this wasn't brought over by um by by anybody in the what we'd think of as the anime industry. Uh, it, it did the mm-hmm. the film circuit instead, like the film festival circuit. So, like, and I think in those sorts of stories, in uh like uh, from a more Western perspective, they might expect people to be more ugly and harsh. Just because of our own perception of homeless people, I think. What's up, transphobia? So it might have been and classism. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, so. yeah, um, I I don't want to um, make too many assumptions excuse. about where the translator was coming from. Um, but yeah, it, mm-hmm. it is unfortunate, and it would be nice if all the con movies could get um, relicensed and maybe some some updated subs here and there, and then get re released because they're all very good, and people should have easy access to them. Mm-hmm. Need a box set already. Get on that Crunchyroll. <laughs> I, I I own like eighty five percent of of Con's discography, and like I will give you my money mm-hmm. again. I would hap- I would love to have his movies on on Blu Ray. I think that'd be lovely. Yes. Um, and I don't own Tokyo Godfather's yet, and now I feel like I should because rewatching it, I was like, oh, this is nice. So yes, so I'd, I'd say this is a a hearty recommendation from all of us. Like if you can get a hold of it, I actually think um. At least if you are in uh, Region 1, DVDs are super cheap. Like, I think they're still printed yeah, I think even. They're, I, are they still printed? I was going to say, even if they're out of print, I think there were enough of them that um, you could get a hold of a copy without too much uh, trouble. Uh, I think. So. If you vamp for a second, I can check Amazon. <laughs> I, I'm very invested in people watching this film. I don't think you under... And- you understand I'm telling our audience to check it out. Yeah, it's. I would agree yeah, with you. I, I mean, think it's. I, I think, think it's not a perfect movie, but I think it does a lot of. I think it does a lot of things very well, and I think especially for the. Um, again, it's one of those where it was. It was made in two thousand three, and I think sometimes it's. It's hard to remember how much progress in certain areas, and not progress in others that. Um, that uh, societies have made since then, um, in terms of some of these issues, and so the fact that you know Khan in two thousand three was making a movie that's that. Um, is very human and sympathetic towards um, groups of people that tended to be, you know, looked down upon, I think is something worth um, applauding, even if there are some flaws within the film itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. The, the film, the movie is DVDs are still being pressed. Um, it looks like it's like 15 bucks for a DVD um, or you can get it 12 bucks used on Amazon, um, which it's well worth it. Uh, it looks like, some other regions might have even gotten a Blu-ray. Not us, though. We're not special. Aw. I thought Blu-rays were uh, region-free. I may have made that up. Depends. Okay. This isn't... I don't know how relevant this is to our podcast, but I'm glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. We're just wanting people to watch a very good movie, because uh, I think we can pretty much... We'll recommend... Uh, I think it's a bla- blanket recommendation. Yeah. Anything Satoshi yeah. has ever touched. Yeah. That's uh, legit. Period. Yeah, yeah. And this one is probably uh, his like most real, down-to-earth... Uh, kind of like sub-focused. Yeah. Uh, that's weird. Uh, focused like work that isn't like him going completely out there with crazy imagery. Well, yeah. it's all, it's and also it's probably a good starter film because it's because it is pretty acceptable yeah. in terms of in terms of the surrealism. Like he's got a there's like one dream sequence and then a couple of like little fun touches in terms of the animation getting kind of smeary. Um, but overall, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's, it's also one of his most uh his most uh universally access um um age appropriate along with millennium actress because his dark that's shit a very gets dark. good point 
That is true. Yeah, Perfect Blue and Paprika both have some content warnings tacked onto them yeah, for sure. Paranoia Agent so. too. But but this one, like pretty much oh, anybody yeah. can watch it. It's real good. It's real good. Mm-hmm. It's full of feelings. Okay. Um. Well, thank you so much to you guys for for joining me to talk about this movie. Um. And thank you, listeners. Thanks for suggesting yeah. it. Thank you, listeners, for uh, joining us. And um, you know, if you liked this podcast you can find more of us on patreon at patreon.com slash anime feminist um every little bit does help we really appreciate whatever little bit you can throw our way it it helps fund the website and we really appreciate all of you um if you liked this content you can find more of chatty af on soundcloud um you can read more of our contributors at animefeminist.com find us on twitter at twitter.com slash animefeminist on facebook at facebook.com slash animefem the podcast is also on itunes and Stitcher. that's right lots of options lots of options and uh, if you can leave us a rating or review that's great it helps people find us thank you so much we'll see you next time anafam happy holidays happy holidays happy holidays <laughs>